Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of Welcome back, Talking Terror fans, nationwide and worldwide. It's Wednesday, hump day, so you know what day it is. It's Talking Terror time. We're back with an all-new episode. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the demonic Dr. Dave's pick, Revenge, from 2018, directed by Coralie Fargo. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking about that, which is a Shutter exclusive. But as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back once more. And as always, I am jo- joined by the man, the myth, the legend that is the Ghoul Geek Keith. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I am feeling fine, man. You know, I'm here for another day of fun French cinema. Uh-huh. Uh, we be, ha ha. Break out the baguettes. Because we're talking oh, about French cinema. Baguettes. Oh, baguettes. Oui, oui, monsieur. Are you going to eat that croissant? Comment allez-vous? It's the language of love, especially in this one. Oh, <laughs> oh merde, merde. <laughs> and as always, we're also joined by the mad monkey. He's banging on his cage. He's got his beret on, and he's got his long cigarette out, so it must be French night. Welcome back, monkey. Hello, my lovely darlings. <laughs> this oh. is your fucking mic, old mad monkey, broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. I apologize beforehand if I seem a bit off tonight. I'm, I'm a little bit sniffly. Um, the nurse gave me some cherry-flavored cold medicine. Unfortunately, for some reason, she gave it to me anally. She said that's how all the kids are doing it these days. But on the bright side, every time I fart, it now smells like a strawberry shortcake doll just queefed in the room. So we're cool. <laughs> oh, you're like a, so you're, you're like a human vapor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am like a human Vicks vapor rub. Just <laughs> Ooh, cherries. <laughs> <laughs> Bacon and cake in here? <laughs> kind of. Oh, no, Michelle, it's just me fart. You filthy pig. It is. It is a French fry. <laughs> it's a French way of love with the strawberries. My <laughs> over there, do they, do they just call them fries over there, man? <laughs> they just call like, fries. It's like I've always wondered like they, about like Chinese food. You know, like here in America, we call it like, hey, I'm going to order Chinese food. But over in China, they're probably just like, hey, I'm going to get some food. It's going to go to the food. Get food. And, but and we do that impressive. in America with every kind of food. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. And and we are joined by the demonic Dr. Dave. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, I'm 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 wonderful. Thanks for asking. Excellent. Excellent. Welcome back. As it is your pick tonight. Glad to hear you're doing well, Doc. Glad to hear that you're back. Yeah. Why is everyone like woo wooing and wee weeing? 
We are enjoying the French. French hard. Man. Is, oh, yeah, we right. are enjoying the French film tonight. <laughs> so we have all broken out our Pepe Le Pews. Oh, we wees. And our caca. It is thing I ate some French food for dinner. Oh, there you go. Oh. Old, not really. Nice. Got to put your pencil thin mustache on. Get your cigarette out. <laughs> and your black and white striped shirt and some Jerry Lee movies. <laughs> I mean, Jerry Lewis movies. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Having an accordion softly playing in the background. <laughs> Excellent. But glad that you're here, Doc. Glad that it's your pick tonight where we're going to talk about it oh, later Me too. On. I'm, so, I'm so glad that it's my pick tonight. I know. I'm, I'm sure you're stoked, as you should be, to talk about this uh, Shutter exclusive. <laughs> but now that the four of us have gathered once again... Uh, hey, listen, do you have some kind of deal or something, man, where you're getting paid every time you say that this is a Shutter exclusive? Yes. Who yeah. keeps saying that? I do, because I keep getting paid. 50 cents <laughs> in my account every single time I say Shutter. Check it shutter, out. Sh- Horror. I'm shutter, me. shutter, mother, motherfucker. <laughs> You're not the one getting paid, monkey. <laughs> oh, shit. That's like a lot of dick. Oh, sorry, I, I, okay. sorry, I mean, merch. Merch. I'll take my 50 cents per title reference. Uh, but <laughs> anyway. Here's uh, that with car driver. Again. What do you have for us, uh, horror news related, that you wanted to talk about? I have several things to talk about. As usual. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about uh, is everyone's favorite uh, American hero, Sylvester Stallone. Hmm. And so, and since all you guys, all you guys get hard-ons for the world of superhero movies, uh, I feel that you should know that Sylvester Stallone has started his own production company and the first uh, film that's going to be created that he is going to be uh, acting in and producing uh, is going to be a parentheses, uh, dark, close parentheses, superhero movie called Samaritan, uh, with the plot being that uh, apparently there was some kind of superhero that was thought to have died in some type of superhero war 20 years prior and then uh, someone believes that maybe he's still alive. And that's all I know at this point in time, but uh, it's it's being uh, talked about as being very dark. So the only reason I'm sharing that is because... The only reason I'm sharing that is because you guys like superhero movies. And then uh, another uh, thing that's related to that is that I don't know how, how closely you guys follow, uh, you know, his, his doings, but uh, several years ago uh, when there was one of the previous times that there was talk about a fifth Rambo movie uh, that was on again and off again. And then there was going to be like a TV series that was going to be like an origin story. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was talk that one of the ideas that had been bandied about was based on a novel called Hunter. uh, And this was going to have Rambo having to face off about against some kind of like genetically modified, like, creature that had been developed by the military and that was going to turn into uh that was going to turn that into a Rambo movie. Thankfully they yeah. did not because I feel that would have been terrible, but uh but they are going ahead with the production of that story 
as it uh, originally was, uh, like strictly to the novel with, uh, you know, some type of tactician has to go against some type of genetically modified creature uh, that had been developed as some kind of weapon. Uh, And that's part of that uh, production company umbrella also. So it's going to be like Rambo versus Predator? Sounds like it. I don't think he's going to be starring in that movie. Uh, it's oh, okay. like there's a okay. you know there's a book called he's it's his production company, uh, but I don't think he's starring in it. I think he's just producing. But uh, there's a novel called Hunter. Uh, I'm not sure uh, who wrote that book, but that is what it's going to be uh, based on. So is it going to be like Yo Adrian Productions? Uh, no, it's actually called Balboa Productions. I was close. I was very close. It's going to be a Rocky reference. Uh, this, Yo Adrian this novel. Uh, that I'm talking about is uh, actually it's written by someone named uh, James Brian Huggins. Okay. So check it out. Uh, yeah, compare it to like a Dean Koontz uh, type story if you've ever read any Dean Koontz. Is related to Henry Huggins? Uh, not Henry Huggins, but maybe Ribsy. Amanda Huggins? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I saw that article as well. I put it on the Facebook page about Sylvester Stallone starring in Samaritan, which is supposed to be a dark superhero take. But I feel like we've had dark superheroes. I mean, like the ghoul and myself and the monkey, we're fans of those movies. It's not something new. It's not like, oh, they're going to do a dark superhero movie? Whoa, that's going to be fucking crazy. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but it's been done. It's not new territory. I mean, Go ahead, ghoul. listen... I mean, as of like lately, you know, we've been hit with the Marvel movies, which you know, I I, yeah. I don't speak for any of you guys, but you know, I love the majority of them. Uh, but mm-hmm. those are all, you know, PG thirteen family friendly characters that sometimes have themes that get a little bit serious, but nothing crazy. Um, and you have the DC universe, which started out as it's supposed to be dark, but really was just an angrier version of the Marvel films. You know, more people died, less accountability for it. When they tried to approach the accountability angle, they fell flat mm-hmm. on their faces and now have taken the entire DC universe completely in the Marvel direction. So to sit there and say we've got dark superheroes, no, we really don't right now. You know, you can't count Deadpool as that. He's comedy. You know, so, no. so yeah, is it, a, is it a darker take on the superhero genre? In a comedic way, it is. So if we're looking yeah. at a serious... You know, bloody, angry, almost to the let's let's go a little more along the lines of like let's say a glass or you know split and, and that avenue. Then then yeah, I'm I'm all for it, man. And I'm sure Samaritan is based off of some comic somewhere. Yeah, uh, like or or image or something. <laughs> Maybe. What do you say, Doc? As far as this being based on uh, some comic somewhere, I said that I am completely unaware. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, like the ghoul said here, it's like, you know, we, we have lots of Marvel, we have lots of DC going on, and we had that little bit of time where they were trying to tap into darker movies. Like, you know, we, we had The Crow. We had them try and tackle Watchmen and fail terribly at it. You know, and The Watchmen like was supposed to... Ah, the Watchmen was supposed to actually be, you know, really dark, anti-Justice League of America kind of storyline. And they just, you know, didn't nail the comic book, in my opinion, because it was pretty dark for its time. 
And mm-hmm. for them to go back, like the ghoul said, and, you know, maybe give us some darker superhero movies, you know, hey, you know, let's give it a shot. Because Marvel tried it with um, the two Punisher, I think it was two Punisher movies, if we're not counting Dolph Lundgren, the, the, the three Blade movies, you know, but let some other people come in there other than the big two and give their hand at darker comic book universes. Mm. Well, Would we you also consider that one? Wars, I never, Warzone I never was saw like 2006, it. you know, so. What was 2006? Yes. I was saying Warzone, Punisher Warzone, you know, Blade Trinity was like 2005 or something like that. I mean, oh, it was well stuff. before the resurgence of Marvel films. You know, so I think giving the darker treatment now is just more important because they've taken huge strides in the technology. The the, the comic book storytelling in film is taken more serious now. So there's going to be studios that are going to be more willing to put money behind it. So I I really, yeah, again, like I said, I'd I'd really like to see what they're going to do. I'm sorry, Doc. Go ahead. My bad, man. I was just saying, uh, would the film uh, starring... And I never saw it. I've seen like a couple of minutes of it here and there. Uh, there's a film starring uh, Will Smith called Hancock. Would that be considered a dark superhero tale? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in a way. It's an yeah. alcoholic superhero. It's. I wouldn't call it so much dark superhero, but definitely anti-superhero. Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah, not yeah. so much dark superhero. I mean, I mean I'm looking yeah. forward to Samaritan either way. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to approach it, but, you know. It I, is a Vertigo comic. It. it is, okay. It's a Vertigo comic, and this particular character is, uh, it's from Vertigo. He is basically the Superman of the Vertigo comic universe. So he's power levels of Superman, Captain Marvel, and so forth. Okay. Captain Marvel from DC, not Marvel. Okay, so it's Obviously. not an original idea, but it's a comic book, so I have to check that out. Um, you know, it could be fun because um, I believe I guess Sylvester Stallone's going to be playing the titular character. I'm guessing, or is he just producing? Say that again. He could. He could. Because is he going to be playing the hero? Yeah. No. Uh, it's it said that he is going to perform in it, but there's been no talk at, at all about roles or characters or anything like that. But he is going to be a performer in that film in some fashion. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving on, what else do you have for us, Doc? Uh, I want to talk about Nightbreed because we've talked about okay. Nightbreed. Oh, yeah. And we've talked, we've talked about uh, the Nightbreed television show that's going to be coming on, uh, I believe, the Sci-Fi Network. Yeah, now, that's what's been slated so far. Right. So, uh, so we have this movie, Nightbreed, Nightbreed which was based on – uh, Clive Barker's novella called Cabal, and yep. uh, apparently, and again, I have not seen these, but apparently uh, there was a uh, Cabal cut edition of the movie uh, that was like two hours and twenty something minutes long. Correct. Um, it's actually, it's actually way longer than that. It, yeah, well, I know what yeah. Well, what I what I was reading today was that there's a cut that's going to be released in the in the near future. Uh, that's going to be a three-hour three cut, hours. Uh, almost a complete uh, hour longer than the director's cut, and it's thirty-something mm. minutes longer than the cabal cut. I'd be happy with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Be so I, happy I will. That. Def- I will definitely be checking that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I know the cabal cut is at least almost over three hours, so to see it this yeah. one could be fucking awesome. Depending yeah, on what any cuts, any, any versions you can find of the cabal cut though are like just you know murdered and spliced footage put together that was yeah they're not shocking. given the same treat. Yeah, that, that was not given the same treatment for you know final filming and stuff like that. It's it's kind of like watching uh, the Army of Darkness Ashcan version. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I'm just, reading. I'm see. That's the thing. Like I'm reading that the cabal cut is only two hours and twenty five minutes. Um, I'm reading that right, right now. You could be right. I, I for some reason I thought it was longer. I definitely thought because it was. Because when I'm the story that I'm reading about this is that it's that this is going to be over thirty minutes longer uh, than okay. the cabal cut, and this is going to be clocking in at around three hours. Well, Sweet. Yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah. I I can do three hours of night breed easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would not mind that at all. I'd be very happy with that. <laughs> you know, um, but it's exciting. I mean, because I, I know the TV series coming out, so that would be a great kind of release if they could do it coincided with the TV series. But I know I don't even think the TV series is filming yet. I think it's still kind of in pre-production. So yeah, that that I don't know time. about. Might be yeah, a long time before we see the TV series. Yeah, right now, last time I checked, they had. Um, you know, Clive Barker being creatively involved. They had a director, and I think they had three writers nailed down, but that was, and a producer, and that was it. Okay. All right. All right, so moving on from Nightbreed, what else do we have? Hellboy is coming back, as we know, or I think <laughs> that we know. Yeah, I think we do. Uh, what I was reading is that the Hellboy remake is going to be a strong R uh, for strong violence and excessive gore throughout. Okay. <laughs> yep, you need to do that. You need to make it an R. Now, yep. my question is, is because the Hellboy uh, films, uh, these are something that, that were films that I have not seen. Uh, what type of level of violence and gore uh, were in the Hellboy movies uh, that had come out prior? PG-13. Yeah, it was light. <laughs> yeah, very very light. I mean, especially because it was Guillermo del Toro that did the uh, the Golden Army. I wanted it to be R, but yeah, it was PG thirteen. Yeah. But you know, at so the same if time, oh go go ahead, Doc. Uh, I was gonna say if if the original Hellboy movies were in the PG thirteen vein, then why and they were successful to some degree? Uh, why does this have to be hard R with excessive violence and gore? Is that to, like, get more people to want to see it, or more excited about it, or or what, what do we think? It's the way the comics were. Very dark, very kind of bloody. See, that, see that's the department. I, I have no frame of reference for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the original Mignola ones were extremely bloody, but at the same time, given his style of artwork that he chose, it was also... Um, extremely stylized as far as the violence that was in the comic. But I I personally think they're trying to amp this up to an R just because, one, they're you know now shooting for a trilogy. They've got to raise the bar and also with success of comic book movies like Deadpool, it's now showing that you can have successful rated R movies. So they're going to go ahead and just raise the bar up you know, and hopefully, you know, raise up the gore and 
the language and, you know, make it a little bit more true to the comic books, but at the same time, you know, showing that Deadpool's are not the only ones they can go, go around kicking ass and cussing the, the entire time. The difference between Deadpool and Hellboy, though, you know what I mean? Deadpool is oh, more yeah, along yeah. the lines of, like, let's say, Revenge of the Nerds and, you know, <laughs> uh, Police Academy and, and whatnot, yeah. you know, at its heart. Deadpool is a comedy, a raunchy comedy, with yeah. a comic book wrapping around it. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Hellboy, I mean, they want to go dark because it's more towards... I, I never read the Hellboy comic book, so I don't have a, a frame of reference for that. But I know anything I've ever looked up as far as the comics go, never looked overly gory or anything like that. But again, I think that goes towards what the monkey was saying with it because it was his style. Um, his mm-hmm. art style kind of really... Like, yeah, they were dealing with death and violence and all of that stuff, but at the same time, it just never really looked like it because it was like artwork. It was kind of like looking at, you know, actual art. Um, Yeah. I honestly think this is a gimmick. This is just to pull in people to see it because they're not getting the positive feedbacks that they want to hear. I don't think they were – I don't think we needed another Hellboy at this point yet. So – you know, right. I think they could have waited on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. I see that point. I mean, I'm excited for it either way. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, and there's a lot of rumors that it is going to be kind of like a prequel to the Ron Perlman one. So I know that was something that we were talking about. Now, it could possibly be a prequel. So I'm excited to see be. if they go in that direction. Just from what yeah, we, we saw in the first trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just... Yeah, it just it comes across so much as a prequel in just the one trailer that we saw with everything that Hellboy had seen and done in the first two movies to be blown away by a soda shop scene, being an undercover bunker. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, either way, like I said, I'm I'm all in. I think David Harbour is going to do a good job. I know it's the whole, I love Ron Perlman. It's like, that's fine, but... I think David Harbour is a good uh, actor for the role. I think he's going to add something fun. Especially if you like the well, stranger things. Just you know not Ron Perlman, man. He's not my <laughs> yeah. boy. Yeah, I've he, he seen those folks. He went to Ron Perlman. Hey, that's what friend. he wants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Doc, what's the next Sounds order of like business? A sex position that you order, you know? Hey, listen, <laughs> I just got to the whorehouse. I'm going to order me a hey. Ron Perlman. Hey, that's, that's the that's the A thirteen special. <laughs> so, Doc, what have you got? Uh, I know some of you are excited about Rob Zombie's upcoming uh, feature film, uh, Three from Hell. Yeah, I was reading Super that there is going to be a humongous assortment of cameos uh, sprinkled throughout, but one in particular that Rob Zombie had shared from the set, including a photograph, was that of Chaz Bono. I saw that. <laughs> I did. So bizarre. Is he said it's going to be filled with like fun cameos, including Chaz Bono. I was like, Chaz Bono? Who the fuck cares about Chaz Bono? <laughs> Share. Zombie does. To put him in the movie, I mean, I was like, what? I, was like, I, I don't know. I mean, I know of him. I don't know what he does. I know that he, he was a woman that became a man. Only thing I know about Jess. 
<laughs> ah, man. Uh, so, like, is it like he just trying to do this because he's got nothing else? So he's going to just, you know, <laughs> I don't know, pep, pepper the entire room with cameos? Like, maybe he just saw Chaz Bono one day and he's like, hey, you want to be in a fucking movie? And he's like, yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Ghoul, what do you think about that type of a cameo? Does it really do anything for me? Uh, listen, like, oh, my God. You know, I, I, I'm excited to see three from hell. Um, yeah, I'm at, I'm at a loss for this one, man. I don't see why it matters if Chaz Bono's in there, like why that's some big, big deal. I mean, unless they're going to do something real fascinating with them. Um, I mean, look, let's let's know. be honest here. This is not something that is a big, big deal. This is not something that's major news nope. unless you're looking no. on like a horror movie website. No. You know, it's just a, a piece yeah, of genre right. news. But you're not, you're not like turning on TMZ or fucking Entertainment Tonight or some shit and seeing this. It's not, I wouldn't classify it as big, big news. No. Yeah, no, I mean, Kayla Mamalak wasn't talking about it this morning on Fox 5, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, it's more in line of the, huh, kind of news. <laughs> it's not yeah. like, oh, shit. I, you know. I, was just re- I was just reading up on this, and apparently Barry Bostwick has just been announced today as another cameo for the movie. That, too. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. The guy from Rocky Horror. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Rob Zombie watched that movie the other night, and he's like, fucking Barry Boswick. Hell yeah, brother, you're in. He's like, okay, sure. <laughs> We're going to dig through the ditches, brother. I don't know what that means, Rob, but I'm in. <laughs> Do I get paid? <laughs> How much are you going to pay me? Okay. I'm the guy from Rocky Horror. <laughs> Only thing I know him from. But I... I I don't know what other cameos he's going to have, but hey, listen, Barry Bosswick and Chaz Bono. Quinn really Howard. Wrapping up those cameos. Yeah, Quinn Howard. Yeah. He's going to be Mr. Saggy Pants, a clown like uh, Kevin Spaulding. So, Josh, what do you got? Don't you like clowns? <laughs> yeah, I know. Clowns. <laughs> I don't like clowns. They taste no. nice. Yeah, they do. But um, <laughs> great one, Lucky. Class in left tonight. <laughs> All right. So moving on from that bombshell of a story, uh, Doc. You know what else we have in the I know. I'm, I know. I'm really bringing the goods tonight. Uh, bringing the thunder. So uh, I believe that we have talked about uh, the announced uh, Gremlins animated series that's on the horizon. Yes, I posted uh, on the Facebook page. Yeah, that's where I believe I saw you post about that. So uh, there are a couple of different things I want to talk about that because I read some new details about that uh, earlier. And the the first thing uh, is some plot details, which apparently this Gremlins animated series is going to go back into the past, Hmm. and it's going to follow... Uh, Mr. Wing, who uh, Rand Peltzer got the Mogwai from uh, in the first movie, uh, apparently the animated series is going to follow uh, Mr. Wing uh, as a young man on his initial adventures uh, with a Mogwai. So it's, it's a period piece what? taking place in the, six, in the 16th century. <laughs> well, I mean, in, I guess Mr. Wing was an old man in the 1980s, you know, so I would imagine yeah. it takes place in what, like 
the 1930s. I don't know about the 16th century. Like Mr. Wing <laughs> was an old man in the, the 80s. So, so, my, so the 1920s or 1930s, I would imagine. So is this yeah. going to be like Jackie Chan Adventures? Who? <laughs> the cartoon Jackie Chan I think Adventures. <laughs> I think this is going to be like an animated version of the Turtles in Time. <laughs> oh no! Please God, no! Not that movie again. Ugh, that was a rough one. But I mean, wasn't wasn't there already a Gremlins cartoon? Like, am I thinking wrong? But I can remember a uh, Gremlins cartoon from back in the eighties. I I honestly do not remember a Gremlins cartoon. I I don't I, believe there was one. I would have been all over that shit. Yeah, we all would have been all over that shit, man. I don't know why. Yeah, I all over that shit, man. I don't know why I thought there was one. Man. For some reason, when I saw that article, I'm like, I thought there was one. I thought there was but, a okay. Saturday morning cartoon. But what I'm really curious about is if they're going to sit there and try and do this as a cartoon. Okay. Uh, Sorry. That too. Um, but are they going to do this as, like, I, what I'm curious because I, not by curious, just curious, is, <laughs> um, are they going to do this as, a, like, what I'm hoping is they're going to shoot for a decently animated CGI cartoon versus something that looks more traditional 2D cell animation? I would think they'll probably go I want hand-drawn. Yeah. What? Hand-drawn would be better. I want old-school like hand-drawn, you know, fucking <laughs> cell-style fucking cartoon, man. I have no idea. I don't. I haven't looked anything up on this. All I've seen is, like, the snippets that you guys have put on there. I don't watch cartoons anymore, you know? And as interesting as, as interested as I am in this, I just I, – I can't get excited why? for it. You know, just I'm hoping that I'm going to watch it. the Spider-Verse. That was it. I didn't, what did I say specifically about Spider Verse? I said that there was something different about that movie. Yeah. I've watched it now three times since I actually bought it this week. It really is a great movie, and animation is just part of the storytelling process. It's again, it's one of those you got to see it to actually understand what I mean with that. It's, it's a fascinating film and a lot of fun to watch. So, but aside from that, yes, I have. Problems watching fucking everyday cartoons. I just can't, you know. And if it's going to be a half hour fucking 22 minute sitcom of fucking gremlins in animated form, I'm, I'm probably going to avoid it. Mm. Well, I, I don't I don't know, Ghoul, because I remember you specifically telling me to watch some Godzilla cartoons. Those were movies. They were animated films, and I said specifically too about those that each each one progressively got better. So at least by the time I was watching the third one, I wasn't falling asleep anymore. The first one was pretty hard to get through. This is true. All right, well, sorry, King. What, what were you going to say? I was going to say the one thing I wanted to bring up about the Gremlins animated series that we didn't bring up yet is that it's going to be produced by Warner Media. Guess what? Streaming service only. I really don't have to worry yes, about that. Yes, that. that was the next detail that I was going to bring up when I said I wanted to take a look at this Gremlins animated series from a couple of different angles. Uh, yeah, the yeah. king is absolutely right. Apparently, uh, Warner, Warner Media is going to be launching their own streaming service. And <laughs> this Gremlins animated... Already? What's that? Don't they have that already with their DC? Well, uh, wait, let me... Let me I'm gonna, uh, maybe they streaming do, service? and it's going to be on... 
Uh, I'm fact checking right this right this moment in real time. Well, Warner Brother yeah. owns DC, and right. yeah, they're going to try to put out two separate streaming services to <laughs> sit there Warner, and make yeah. people fucking compete over their products. They can fucking suck a dick. I'm already yeah, not getting the DC streaming universe. No, here, 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 here you are. Uh, I have some news. Uh, by the end, Warner Media plans to unveil streaming service by the end of 2019. Uh, they are committed to launching uh, a compelling and competitive product um, that will complement their existing businesses and help them expand their reach uh, with new choices for entertainment, uh, with films, television series, etc., 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 and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, good. Warner, Warner Media is going to be launching their very own streaming service, uh, and they do own properties. They, I mean, they own HBO, so they're going to have the HBO mm. properties, um, as well as uh, other things under the Warner movie umbrella, such as the Harry Potter franchise and Wonder Woman, um, mm. and they also Wonder own the TV show Friends. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, too, are looking to jump into this, and again, uh, as we have talked about numerous times on this show, uh, this is going to be a continued oversaturation of the streaming market. Um, yeah. But that will remain to see how this is all going to be play out, played out. But I do feel that uh, these streaming services, and again, I wasn't trying to get into a whole conversation about this, but it's relevant right here. I feel like yeah. over the next five years, uh, you are going to see uh, massive movement in the market with these streaming services. This is my own theory that I'm coming up with off the top of my head right now, uh, where you're going to see massive consolidation or partner packages uh, to be able to cut a deal so you can get like this one and that one for like a few bucks off if you uh, you know paid for them separately on their own. There's going to have to be something because everyone is trying to cut the cord these days and the reason that people want to cut the cord is to save money. But if you're cutting the cord for streaming services, it's like, oh, I'll cut the cord because I have Netflix and this and that. And now there's 19 other services that you need in order to get the things that mm-hmm. you want to watch. You're going to be spending just as much or more. So uh, oh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this market shakes out over the next three to five years. Well, I think you're on the right track here because, you know what, this exactly sounds like the porn industry on the internet as it is Mm -hmm. you know for a while you had all these specific sites but now you have a site like you know let's say something like browsers where it's actually an umbrella site browsers is the main company but they've got 22 sites let's say underneath that one umbrella so you get the one subscription and you have access to all of those services um so as far as like them getting into the, because here's the problem with the movie industry as far as that goes. Like you said, you know they own HBO, they own this, they own that. Okay, so fine. That means they own HBO, they own all of HBO's original series and whatnot. But what they don't own is what movies you know get loaned out to HBO outside of the Warner Brothers thing. So now they're going to need to make some deals here. Now people, yeah, okay, we're going to cut the cord from the cable box. But if I, you know, you got to figure out something here because how many things are they going to break up? That's, I guess, what I'm trying to get to with this. Like, okay, Warner Brothers owns Harry Potter. Is there going to be a 
a Harry Potter channel that you got to subscribe just to that one. They own DC. There's already a DC universe streaming service. You know, oh, okay, here's Warner Brother regular movies. Okay, so if you just want regular movies, get this one. Or are they going to bring this all into one big package and then give you the right. deal that way? But then they're going to do what they're doing with like Hulu and stuff like that, where, you know, well, you can get this, 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 and this. It'll be an a la carte type of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the way it's going to go. And I think, like the doc had said, eventually it's going to get to a point where it's just going to be streaming services. And if you want uh, certain things, you're going to have to subscribe. It's not going to be basic cable anymore. It's going to be all bandwidth wars, dude. They were right. Uh, Jason X, dude. (laughs) I know. Jesus. God, this sucks on so many levels. (laughs) (laughs) Great line from that movie. All right. So moving away from that, doc, what's next? So, uh, that is all. Oh, oh no, no, that's that all you not. Have. Nope, uh, wrong. So, Victor Miller is up to his Friday the 13th business once again. So, as this, yeah. uh, whatever this lawsuit is that continues to drag on with everyone with Cunningham and Miller uh, fighting over property rights to the Friday the 13th, uh, characters and and titles and all the things that they're fighting over. Um, apparently, there is a and, and I'm pretty sure that we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, but LeBron James has a production company called Spring Hill Entertainment. Yep. Um, oh. And he is he is teamed up with the production company behind it, uh, Vertigo Entertainment, uh, saying that they're going to produce a new Friday the Thirteenth movie. And obviously, they can't do that right now uh, because you know deals need to be made and lawsuits need to be wrapped up, but that they are um, they are willing and interested parties to, to make that happen. So uh, apparently Victor Miller uh, was just asked about uh, the LeBron James uh, company and their interest in making a deal to produce a new Friday the 13th movie and uh, he said that he's heard about that, but he doesn't know anything about it and doesn't know what it means. And what's being reported, what's very interesting, is that the report is that Victor Miller approached uh, Spring Hill and Vertigo uh, to try and, and arrange a deal with them for whenever this lawsuit stuff wraps up. Um, so that's a little bit of talking out of two sides of his mouth. Um, you yeah. know, I feel, I feel that this stuff going on with this, with this property is just, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of fucking kind of silly. And I, yeah. I feel every time I see news about this, like I just kind of, and, and this tends to be my take with a lot of things, especially when it comes to long time, uh, properties that have been dormant for some time. Uh, it just makes me roll my eyes, you know, like with all of this, uh, with all of this, with all of this fighting and all of these lawsuits, uh, you know, about something that maybe, and, and I don't really mean that there's not a market or an audience for that based on what we just saw this last year with the Halloween movie, but I just, I don't know, man, the more I hear about this stuff, I'm just like rolling my eyes. I'm like, all you guys are like fighting over this nonsense and, yep. you know, you may, you might even be missing the boat right now. Like now might be the time to strike while the iron is hot in this world of, of horror and you guys can keep mm-hmm. uh, fighting over this stuff, and it might get to the point where, with all of the remakes and continuations and long-time sequels that cut out 
earlier uh, sequels and to continue the story on their own path. All of this stuff is going on, and the market might get oversaturated, and people might start to roll their eyes about it, and then you sort out this stuff, and you're like, hooray, Friday the 13th, and everyone's like, no one cares anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, who knows what's we'll be on. We'll be on Friday to whatever the new fad is, man. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, Friday the 13th, you know, it's a, it's a legacy series. It's an iconic series, so there will always be some level of interest uh, you know, but I feel like now's the time to strike if you're going to try and put this back together. I mean, uh, over the years, some of these series have made grave mistakes, most notably the the Nightmare, uh, Texas Chainsaw uh, franchise. But, um, well, yeah, that's you know, Hall- you can argue about the what you thought about the Friday the uh, Halloween 2018, uh, but they – uh, with that, they showed that there is interest in this stuff and that you can also make an actual film. So uh, mm-hmm. I feel this Friday the 13th stuff, it's just its just nonsense. Like, what else are these fucking guys doing that they can't just fucking figure this out? I don't know. It just makes yeah. no sense to me. It's both sides, you know, because Victor Miller, he did an interview on YouTube where he said, I want what the fans want, and I'm willing to sit down with Sean S. Cunningham and sign some deals. You know, I own Friday the 13th, so I'm okay with that. I already won. So I want to sit down with Sean and work this all out. Yes, he owns Friday the 13th. He owns Child Jason. That's all he owns. He doesn't own Hockey Mask Jason, the Jason that we all want to see. So for him to be like, well, I guess I'll just sign some things when the thing comes up. No, just fucking sign papers. Like, work a deal out. Because like you had said, Doc, it's just an eye-rolling affair at this point. We're just work it out. Stop being kids go to the table, you know, and, and give us what we want. If you want what we want, then give it to us. Reach an agreement. Again, I think, Stop dragging I think the doc is spot on with this right now because, you know what, by the time they finally come to an agreement, because this is ego. That's what this is. Yes, this is a battle is. of ego. This is guys that just don't want to, you know, they, they want to say it's about the money. They want to say it's about this. They want to say it's about that. I'm sure there's been plenty of numbers floated around that realistically were probably better offers than they most likely should have gotten at any point now. By the time they finally figure out that, hey, you know what, we missed the window, they missed the window, and they're going to be fucked. They're going to be left in the cold. And then they're, then it's going to be up to them to be the next franchise that, you know, comes out like Halloween in 2018 and kind of reinvigorates everything again. And you know what? I don't think that these people are the ones to do that. You know, I don't think Friday mm-hmm. the 13th is the series to pull that off either, you know? Mm-hmm. Monkey, where do you weigh in? I, I'm just thrown off by the that, man. Just because, I, I, dude, I know you're such a fan of the series. Like, you know, this this is your series, and it's throwing me off to hear that you say that you don't think it's got the weight to be able to carry horror into a, you know, a new decade. Well, listen, man. Just because I'm a huge fan of the series and I love all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, I love them for what they are. You know, yeah. it's not like they're Besides the the first film, you're not looking at a groundbreaking series of movies. We're not looking at no. Exorcist-level movies. You're not looking at Alien. You know, you're not looking at Halloween, even. Um, no, but you have to remember, man, there's one thing I think you're leaving out there. There's something that, and I feel strongly about this. We were, well, maybe not maybe not uh, the the king because he was just a, 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 little, a, a wee little one, but in the mid-'80s when these movies were coming out, when we were – 
you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, before we had the wherewithal and age and wisdom to look at these movies for what they are, these, I, I can't speak for you guys, but when I was a little kid, these were serious movies for me. Uh, when it mm. got to part four, like, that was, like, and you had a kid perspective in that movie with Corey Feldman's character and the introduction to the, the Tommy Jarvis storyline, like, that shit was serious. Like, we, I wasn't old enough to, like, see that, oh, they're making another Friday the 13th to keep capitalizing it, and it's part five. Like, to me as a little kid, they were scary. And, like, I was into the saga and the story. Like, I can obviously look at it now and see it for what it is. But back then when I was watching these things, it was serious business. That I, that I can agree with completely. Back then, yeah. when I was, you know, yes, we had that a, gift. We had that gift. A single then. We digit were very, child. Very lucky because, I did find yeah. it serious. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. also in that time, there wasn't twenty-seven thousand million horror movies of varying degree of quality to even wade through and compare them to. Like the genre. Yes, there was. Our local video store oh, just didn't have them yep. all, man. Yeah. Okay, but we they also we also <laughs> in that time though we also didn't have the internet or the unless right. you were doing deep reading or the knowledge to know that they were even out there you know That's so the you're no, looking at this very true. small collection you're looking at this very small collection of films in this genre that we were seeing at 11 12 years old however old we were and were taking it seriously uh, you know as serious movies that were scary and we you know there were you know, people older than us in the 80s that would probably say what we're saying now, but, like, when you're a little kid, it's much different, man. Yeah, no, I Well, I that being that said, point. though, that being said, even in the 80s as a kid, and, again, you're talking single-digit years, I knew the difference as far as quality goes between a mm-hmm. film, let's say, like a Jaws or a film like An Exorcist, or a film like A Poltergeist. Like, I didn't put Friday the 13th in the same vein as those films. You know, Jason, yeah, again, my favorite character. You put a Jason movie on, and any one of those besides Jaws, I'd probably watch all of the Friday the 13th movies. To this day still, I'd probably watch all of the Friday the 13th movies before I'd put one of those on, again, with Jaws being the exception. Um but I could see and tell that there was a difference between it. Um, I, you know, and again, even as a little kid, I feel like the last serious Friday the 13th movie, you know, for me was part four because part five was, seemed silly and funny and six went even more into the comedy aspect of things. And by the time seven hit, man, I was of an age where it was like, all right, this is kind of fucking stupid. No, see, for me, for me, it was, you know, I still, from when I was seeing them, had had taken uh, five, and yes, maybe some more comedy, but had taken, still had taken five and six uh, a little bit more seriously because I was still wrapped up in the, in the, in the Tommy Jarvis, Tommy Jarvis uh, saga, saga. Uh, part seven, completely different story, like all together. I had gotten a little bit older when that had come out and the telekinesis and all that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that's some fucking silliness right there. Not that there wasn't <laughs> silliness in the others, uh, mm. but it was just, it was, it was, it was also kind of aging out of the, of, of, of the kind of innocence uh, that made the previous one so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point when you look at it from that aspect. Um, but, you know, I know you said that you were wrapped up, Doc, with what you had. 
I have two things I wanted to talk about quick before we get into the movie. One. No, 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 uh, no, no. We have to get onto the movie right now. It's six forty-seven. We've we've gone way too much time in horror news. I don't think we have. Because I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> I know. I know you are. I know you are. Uh, but talking about horror icons like uh, my favorite Weatherface, like Michael Myers, my two favorite baddies from Jason Voorhees, I want to talk about Candyman. It's a uh, fucking game. That's a game that Leatherface made up, you know, my favorite Leatherface. That's how we pick yeah, up my favorite Leatherface for the day. It's a playset. It's a makeup playset for Leatherface. <laughs> my favorite Leatherface. You could dress him up. You could go out in the town. My favorite Leatherface. By Mattel. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Candyman. We had talked about Jordan Peele producing the remake. Look out. Uh, look out. It's planning on being released in 2020. We had talked about it, about Tony Todd, how kind of maybe he's the right choice for Candyman because he is iconic. He's like Robert England with Freddy Krueger. I don't think that, that comparison works in any way. I think it does. But that's my opinion. But we'll get to it. But anyway, uh, Candyman has its Candyman now. Uh, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> it reminded me of those Channel 13 things. What's your opinion? We'd like to know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But apparently, apparently there's an actor – and I hope I don't butcher his name too bad. It's Yahya Abdul-Mateen III, who played the villain in DC's Aquaman movie with Jason Momoa that just came out. He has been cast as Candyman. So it's official that Tony Todd will not be playing Candyman in the reboot. Instead, it's this uh, up-and-coming actor who I don't know anything about, except that he was in DC's he Aquaman. Man- he played Mantis. Oh, Black Mantis. See, I don't much. know anything about the movie. Black I never Mantis. saw it. Don't so, uh, but he is going to be Candyman. Uh, me personally, I'm okay with it. I wish that was going to be Tony Todd, but at the same time, I'm ready for a new take if they're going to do it that way. I just hope it stays faithful to what Tony Todd already created. And I'm hoping that Jordan Peele has the wherewithal to save a spot for Tony in the movie somehow, some way, in a cameo of some sort, just to pay tribute to what he created with those movies. Um, so I wanted to get what you guys thought about that, having a brand new Candyman for this reboot. Go ahead, fellas. No, Monkey, you go to town, man, because you know what? Me, me and the doc just had a lot to say with all the other stuff. So, <laughs> Yes, speak up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fighting the cold. But, yeah, Not just I, I've heard the uh-uhs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I've, heard, I've also heard that this thing is supposed to sh- start shooting this spring – and they have a, what they want to have it scheduled for release by 2020, you know, somewhere in 2020. So we're talking about a really tight schedule, Bob in Walters. my opinion. Yeah, Baba Wawa. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for them to sit there and nail this down, it's, it's striking me as, like, if they want to start shooting in spring, and they're just nailing the main guy down now, though, you know, and, like, I, I feel like they're they're going to be forcing this project, and it's going to... You know, as excited as I want to be about it, like I think it's gonna, the whole thing is gonna come across as extremely rushed. You know, mm. I, I don't think they're taking enough time to be able to pull this movie off the way it should be done. They're planning well, on they want to start filming in spring, release, but when are they look? What, yeah, they, I was gonna say, when are they looking to release? It's like summer, I think, of 2020 is what I've been reading. Yeah, so yeah, June, June of 2020. June of 2020, they got is, plenty of time, man. I know, they got plenty of time, man. Even. Even with nailing the guy now, and you know what? They might have been, you know, maybe they had two or three people that they were, 
whining and dining and trying to figure out maybe through some focus groups who they felt worked best with it. Um, they could have also been trying to keep it hush-hush because, you know, you just don't want to let it out too quickly who the next Candyman is going to be without getting too much backlash from the fanboys. Um, there's a lot of reasons why they could have waited to, to release who it was going to be, um, besides them having a problem coming up with it. Uh, I right. like the choice, personally, so I, mm-hmm. I think it's a smart decision. Doc? Uh, you know, I feel that, and this is, you know, just speaking for myself with my own opinion, I feel that the legacy of Candyman and uh, I feel that and Tony Todd's portrayal in Candyman, I feel, and maybe it's something that I should revisit because it's it's easily been uh, no exaggeration at least twenty years since I've seen it. Um, I feel that the film and Tony Todd's performance, and this is why I was starting to say before when you were comparing it to Robert England, I feel that it's kind of uh, it's it his status, it's the film status. I feel is. Uh, kind of overinflated. Um, I remember when I did see it, it being an effective film and, and Tony Todd was cool and all, but I did not put his performance and his character uh, anywhere near a realm of a Robert England and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And again, this is going, this is going on a, a memory from, from long, long, long ago. Right. Uh, I don't, if they're making a remake, I, I don't think it matters that, that Tony Todd is not there. Uh, I don't think it matters. I mean, sure, would it be cool if Jordan Peele threw him a cameo in some fashion? Sure. Uh, but I, I really don't know uh, truly. Uh, and again, Jordan Peele's name alone will, will bring some interest. But I, don't, I really don't know how much interest there is in a, in a Candyman remake. And I, I don't think that it matters that Tony Todd is not playing Candyman. And if you were going to have Tony Todd play Candyman, then this shouldn't be a remake. This should be a continuation of the story. If you were going to bring uh, Tony Todd back, um, I don't think yeah, that absolutely. I don't I don't think that the the actor uh, that has played an iconic role in a series should play that character again. If you're doing a remake, especially if you're doing a remake of the original film, uh, and I know yeah. that sometimes when there's like a foreign film and then they make an American version, sometimes the director does both. Uh, which has happened before mm-hmm. in some genre stuff. Um, you know, I just, I really don't think that it's something that is, is that big a deal that Tony Todd's not there. And maybe I should revisit the original Candyman, but I think I've always kind of thought that it was a little uh, higher regarded than it should be and kind of a little overinflated in its status. Yeah. I could um, just cut in real quick yeah. with it, man. I'm yeah. sorry, King, and then I'll let you go to town, bro. Here's the only yeah. thing that I'm going to say with that as far as like, Jordan Peele and interest in Candyman and whatnot. And the, the one thing that I resound with you, my feelings on Candyman has always been this. Iconic character, bad movie. Um, the movie just did not hold the, the, the same level mm-hmm. of, of interest as the character itself that's created for said movie. Um, that being said, though, with the resurgence of black cinema right now, with all of the movements going on and everything, it is kind of important to actually have, you know, I don't know, the one true black horror movie character icon villain yeah. in the last, what, 20 to 30 years or so? 
Mm-hmm. You have a movie, man, and you know whether. And yes, I do agree that if you were going to do a continuation of the story, you go with Tony Todd. If you're doing a remake, no, there's no reason to bring Tony Todd back other than a cameo appearance. At that point, you do need somebody else new. You need somebody who is going to carry this franchise forward into what Jordan Peele is going to make it. And again, with you know, Get Out. Um, what's the other movie he's got coming? Us or whatever but, it's called. You know, now now you have this. I mean, we're seeing this this big surge of what I love about it is it's not black exploitation. It's just simply Afrocentric horror films, and mm. I'm loving it. It's yeah. something that I am truly enjoying. Yeah, and no, it's not a DNA um, thing. So shut up, Doc. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, to Doc's point, as, as I wrap up this real quick, um, I do agree to certain things that you had said about how maybe not necessarily Tony Todd is on the level of Robert England as far as being uh, Freddy Krueger because Candyman only had three films. The first one is my favorite. The second two, Day of the Dead and Farewell of the Flesh, they lack. They lack in quality because they turned Candyman into a slasher. They just made him into a Jason Voorhees type character. Um, and I felt disappointed by that because you had such a strong first film. And I talked about it on the show many times where Candyman is not only one of my favorite horror films, but I think it's a great love story. And I think that's one of the understated scenes of the movie, especially for the time 20. that it was made. Uh, is it a top a, five? A, top 20? Top 10. Top 10. Oh, okay. And I've always said top 10. But it's a... Uh, of its time, you have a black man pursuing a white woman in the early 90s, and that's still kind of a no-no, but it made for a better film. It wasn't like a Friday the 13th. It wasn't like a Halloween. It was a different I think it was more acceptable by that point, man. I mean, it's not like it was the 1950s. <laughs> no, but it was still kind of taboo uh, in a lot of ways. You know, whereas, you know, it's not like the 1950s, but at the same time, still kind of taboo. At the time, I mean, I guess that's true. We had films like Jungle Fever and stuff like Mm -hmm. that that were, you know, kind of coming out that had it, A Bronx Tale. You know, you had all kinds of films that were pretty much centering around mixed relationships. Exactly. So, yeah, like, but like the Gould said, like you had said, Doc, I'm not opposed to the guy that's going to be playing Candyman in the reboot. I think it's a good choice. I've seen uh, a couple of. No, (laughs) because he needs to be black. But I, I, I'm okay with it. I know a lot of people on Why? Facebook page are saying... Can he just be a good character? It doesn't matter what color he is? <laughs> I know. Can you see past color? Uh, but on our Facebook page, a lot of people were saying back and forth. Of, well, I can't imagine anybody but Tony Todd. I don't like it. But some people are saying I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm totally willing to give it a chance. Because I think you need to have a fresh take. If you're going to go all in, like we had said, with the reboot, you can't have Tony Todd back. As much as I would love to have him back at you know, you need to have a fresh take, and I think that's the way to go. And I'm excited to see what they come up with, and I'm excited to see what this guy can do in the role, because Tony Todd created Candyman. You know, especially in that first one with that deep bass voice, his presence. So I'm hoping that can carry over with this new actor. Okay. Mm. So yeah, that's, you know, my. What was the second thing, man? Uh, I don't know if we're going to have time because we're hitting the 10 o'clock We have mark. time. Okay. Uh, so, Always time. So uh, the monkey and I talked to the ghoul before the show, 
And there's this thing that's going on the Internet right now called the Momo Challenge uh, that's directed towards kids, specifically hackers, getting into kids' uh, Internet programming where there's a woman with a bird face that's giving them suicide instructions of how to kill themselves. Oh. And they're breaking into kid programming, like kid, uh, uh, Paw Patrol and all these other shows that these kids watch. They're hacking uh, into these tablets and introducing how to kill yourself. So it's becoming a big thing now where parents are going to have to start monitoring what their kids are watching because of this apparent Momo challenge. So You know, I, I suggest that parents should be monitoring what their kids are watching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, take it from me. Parents just don't understand. Um, there's no need to argue. Word. Uh, look, uh, I did a lot of, I, I, you know, because I, I, I teach the age of kids that would be, like, totally uh, involved in this thing. I've done a lot of reading about this uh, Momo challenge. And, uh, you know, what I have found is that it is something that allegedly is through the messaging app uh, WhatsApp. And... Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, uh, apparently uh, (laughs) they try to convince people to contact them through WhatsApp on their cell phone. And then, uh, you know, they are met with uh, instructions to perform like a succession of tasks uh, with photographic evidence. And if they don't, then they get uh, threats or frightening or, or gory pictures. Um, and while it's true that police for- around the world, police forces, school administrations, et cetera, have sent like warning messages home, um, the, they are saying that one of these, this, this particular one uh, is most likely a case of uh, kind of sensationalized panic. Uh, not necessarily mm-hmm. that this thing is a hoax, but there have been no... Uh, no verifiable reports of, of right. any harm happening to anybody. Um, there's been no, uh, and in, in countries all over the world, uh, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, that this death here was linked to this, and this death there was linked to this, but police forces in that area, you know, have stated that there has been no connection that's been found, uh, nothing has been directly linked to it. So this might just be one of those you know, hysteria things that comes along, like when you're driving on the road, like don't flash your headlights at a car right. that doesn't have its headlights on. Um, you know, I have not heard my students. What are you talking, talking about, about, man? Like, That's what? how the gangs find you. And then they follow you home and they kill you. And they kill you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they made a whole movie about that called Death Sentence starring Kevin Bacon. Uh, and That's exactly what happens. He flashes his lights at a car and they come back and they kill his son. And then he becomes a vigilante. Uh, Death Sentence is actually the second book because uh, the movie Death Wish was actually a book first. Uh, yeah, and Death Sentence was the second book, but that was not the plot line in, in the book. But anyway, uh, I have not heard my students talking about the Momo Challenge at all. And I always have I always have my ears to the grindstone. And I know, you know, right. in my time as a teacher, they have talked about the salt challenge and the cinnamon challenge. And, the, you know, I've heard about all the different challenges. Um, but I have heard nothing about this one, and um, you know that bird face picture that's circulating uh, of the girl with the eyes popping out of her head. Um, it looks like Beetlejuice. You know, yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Whatever her name was. Anyway, anyway, 
there hasn't really been any complaints about this thing for real. So I don't know if this is a, a, it's a, it's a real, if it's an actual, while the public has been warned, I don't know if there's actually something here that they need to be warned about. Well, I think there's a movie in about a year and a half, I'm sure. <laughs> I know. Mumble Challenger movie. But it's like the satanic panic of the 80s with uh, satanic lyrics and, you know, watch out for those Ozzy Osbourne records because they tell you to shoot yourself and you play it backwards. I think that's all it is. But it's still something that I think that, like the Lord said, just monitor what your kids are doing. Check out them. You know, make sure they're not doing any freaky shit. Wait until they're older. Plenty of time. You don't have to I would hope kids. that I – w- I would assume, again, I mean, listen, I get it. Kids these days, they're not that bright. Well, these days. I know – I, I mean, I get it. You know, like, it's, it's weird. not that bright. They're straight, Dude, kids these days are geniuses compared to the shit we were doing. <laughs> I understand that. Like, and that's what I was just about to say. It's weird. You, get, you look at some of the stuff that they're doing in schools at the ages that they're doing it, and these kids should be so much fucking smarter. Yet, I'll tell you right now, if I was, I don't know, seven or eight fucking years old, and that Momo fucking lady came up on whatever fucking, like, if I was sitting there watching an episode of the fucking Honeymooners on TV or my fucking Saturday morning cartoons, and if all of a sudden Momo lady came up sort of talking about, hey, you should fucking do this and that to kill yourself, I think the fucking last thing I would be doing is following any of that bitch's instructions. <laughs> yeah, and these days seem to fucking have no problem doing this stupid shit. So whether or not it's a hoax or not, I mean, you know, so the, the fact that these kids are doing retarded things, whether it's because of social media, internet usage, or just because they're just not as fucking bright when it comes to just regular everyday decisions. I, you know, like, yeah, it's like what our parents used to say, you know, oh, that person's book smart, you know, but they're not fucking street smart. It's like they don't have a fucking clue how to, like, exist yeah. in, like, the regular world smart. Yeah, and and I just wanted to jump in um, real quick, and it's just like the king was saying, it's it's like the satanic panic thing because, yeah, I want to jump in real quick. Uh, yeah, but there, there, there's like you know, six, jump in, six, monkey. Six, uh, I'm trying to motherfucker, <laughs> um, but it's like this <laughs> late two, so, 2018s, and now you know it's going on. We're still getting news reports, like actual news reports from actual news stations that yep. where they are definitely taking this seriously and they're, you know, doing bits and segments on this, warning the public uh, <laughs> about the Momo Challenge, you know, and sh- showing local kids that were affected by the Momo Challenge that like popped up on their tablet because again, you know, like the Google said, you know, you see parents now they just sit them down with a fucking tablet and then walk away. Don't even bother what they're fucking looking at. You know, they're, they're doing it now. Well, like, listen, our parents sat us in front of Nintendos and we didn't did. fucking, you know what I mean? They didn't bother us about them. <laughs> nope. Yeah, but, but he, yeah, but He-Man and G.I. Joe taught us how to live. Alright? <laughs> taught us how to be safe. Stay away from live electrical wires. <laughs> Don't jump right us what fucking toys we wanted to buy, man. <laughs> Seriously. They're from electrical outlets. I mean, shit, the fucking ghoul fucking set himself on fire. And I don't know about <laughs> you, but, but on, on my fucking school bus, 
going home from school, we used to dump pixie sticks out over the textbooks and snort it up our fucking noses. So uh, I don't know about uh, learning to exist in the real world. <laughs> well, listen, this, this is true. I did burn myself in eighth grade. There's a completely fucking, you know, intelligent story that goes behind that in some weird way. As far as sniffing that shit, nah, but I know we all knew that person that could sniff a fucking piece of paper up their nose and bring it out their mouth, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm new playing it. <laughs> but, um, so I don't gag. The Momo challenge to uh, the French film that we're talking about tonight, Revenge from 2018, directed by Coralie Frigo. Uh, this is your pick, Doc, so why don't you give us a synopsis why you picked it, and let's kick this thing off. Uh, so here we have Revenge, a French film, uh, female uh, writer and director, Coralie Fargier. Um, this is, uh, one of those kind of day of the woman, uh, rape and revenge, uh, horror films, uh, where we have a, a young woman who is, uh, raped by her boyfriend, well, by one of her boyfriend's friends, which we'll get into the the actual plot details in our discussion, but raped by one of her boyfriend's friends. And, uh, they decide to leave her for dead in the middle of, uh, the desert where she then rises to, uh, to take the revenge that she feels she so rightly deserves. Um, you know, and in a, you know, in a, in a tiny little nutshell, uh, there you have uh, Revenge. Uh, I picked this film. I had seen uh, a trailer for it uh, somewhere along the line uh, quite some time ago and uh, then, you know, had made a note of it somewhere in my phone. And uh, then I saw it pop up in my Amazon scroll uh, but realized that it kind of wasn't available on Amazon. Uh, Amazon Prime has like a channel feature where you can subscribe to channels, and it was on uh, Shutter. And I learned that uh, I learned that after Revenge's uh, after its time on the festival circuit, that uh, Shutter had purchased the rights to it. Um, gave it a theatrical release and now has it on their streaming service. So uh, Amazon uh, Shutter Channel was offering like a, a week-long trial uh, followed by a, a 4.99 subscription. Uh, so I decided to do the trial because I saw this movie was there and had been looking forward to watching it. And uh, this is the reason that I have picked Revenge, uh, written and directed by Carly Fargier. All right, excellent. Uh, so, apparently, the doctor uh, paid by Shutter as well. What a, what a long story. <laughs> so, Ghoul, what did you think about Revenge? Uh, it's, I mean, listen, you know, the fucking title says it all, man. Yep. Typical fair rape and revenge film. We've all seen them um, in one form or another. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an enjoyable film for parts uh certain things about it you know I, I wouldn't say they surprised me they went in ways that i guess i didn't see coming um i'll get more into mm-hmm. detail with that when we get to the certain parts but uh but no i mean overall yeah well did, did it hold my interest yes i i didn't fall asleep to it nor did i decide to like masturbate while i was in the well that's not true but but yes, you know, I did, I did, did watch the whole movie in one sitting and, and enjoyed it thoroughly. All right. Uh, Mucky, what did you think about Revenge? So, so the ghoul admits that he possibly masturbated during it. So I'm guessing the ghoul got wood. You know, maybe he got a little teak. You know, maybe, maybe he got excited, you know, because I know I get excited when I see bitches get staked. You know, but unfortunately <laughs> we weren't watching John Carpenter's Vampires. 
we were watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, this... We'll get into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good review. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, when uh, the doc picked this, never heard of it. I was like, all right, Revenge 2018. have no idea what this is. I know it's available on that streaming service that I get paid 50 cents for. Shudder. Thank you. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I found it and I watched it. And, yeah, to kind of resound the monkey a little bit, I, I didn't hate it. It wasn't like Adorados all over again where I'm like, good God, this fucking movie. Like, I found things that I liked about it, but at the same time, I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if I like this movie. Like, I felt like it was kind of too long. Like, even though it's kind of a, a basic story, I felt like it was a little bit too long to be an hour and 48 minutes and change. So I get him to shave down a little bit. Um, Somebody shaved you didn't down have a lot of movie. Yeah, I felt like it could have been shaved Listen, down. Let's not talk about shaved down, okay? You know, considering <laughs> the thing that I had to have done recently, I'm pretty shaved yep. down. Yeah, we'll try to skip that. Um, but either Moving way, on. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was a problematic movie in a lot of ways when we get into certain scenes of this movie where it, it's kind of – you have to suspend your ability to disbelieve in a lot of parts. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but – and like I said on the Facebook post when Doc announced it, I watched the trailer – and I'm like, it's just a bunch of sexy fucking people doing a bunch of sexy things. Because that's exactly <laughs> what it fucking was. Like, unbelievably good-looking people fucking getting involved in some shit. And I disagree. <laughs> I feel there was maybe you could, maybe two good-looking people. Yeah. Uh, no, the but, fucking yeah, the they friends were, the, were a bunch of fucking schlubs. Well, they were. Yeah. But it was... <laughs> you have uh, Jen, you know, who is... Uh, I don't know what she is. I don't know if she's an actress or a model, but she loves L.A. a lot. And she has her French boyfriend, Richard, who she's going to be hanging out with at his uh, place in the desert, which is an impressive place. But I, I didn't really get anything from Jennifer where I'm like, okay, so I'm behind her. Like, she seems fun. No, she just seemed like a parasite hmm. type. Well, Richard you know, was like, yeah, I got she's my, my earrings in. Yeah. She's a party girl. You know, that's how she comes across, straight off the bat, yeah. man. She, she, you know... Oh, uh, because watching the movie, we don't know exactly where she's from. You know the the um. I, she's from L.A. Wikipedia. No, she's not from know. L.A. No, she, she wants to go. Wants to, to go, she wants to go to L.A. So oh, see, I thought she yeah, was wherever in they. LA. <laughs> no, okay, we don't yeah. know their yeah. origins as far as you know where these people are from. I think I. We don't even know where they are. We know that they're in some desert somewhere, but I don't even think they ever tell us exactly where they're located as far as if they're, in, they're, they're even in the United States. They, they, don't no, tell us where, they don't tell us where they are, but I can tell you that was shot in the Moroccan desert. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can't tell you that, but yeah, the uh, exact location, you know, from what I read from the director was supposed to be left completely void so that you can picture this being anywhere in the world. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Yeah. Definitely take that. Because <clears throat> it felt like it could be anywhere. And the setting you know, was fucking awesome. 
I, I loved the setting, like the, the desert and, you know, all of the shots that were done, you know, I thought it was a, a great shoot, you know, like location-wise. Didn't like the shots because there's a lot of the new wave shots of her eating an apple and then they're focusing on that fucking apple for way too long. Where it's like, oh, now we're showing the passage of time. The apple's rotten. You know, now it's got an ant on it. Oh, man. Like, you know, all right, I get it. It's a fucking apple. Let's move it's on. Like neon, it's like Neon Demon. <laughs> neon Demon's a better movie, in my opinion. <laughs> I disagree. So, I, you know, what, we've what? seen... We've seen this movie before, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the as far as the basic plot, uh, this is nothing new. What we do have here, no. though, uh, is a movie written and directed by a woman. And yeah. uh, what I'm about to say, this is not my own ideas that I came up with, but mm. in doing a lot of reading about it, uh, there were some things, and I did all of this reading about it after I watched it, um, which is what I tend to do. Um, one, uh, this movie being written. Uh, kind of in the in the age of the Me Too movement, if you want to uh, call it that, uh, when uh, Jen and Richard arrive uh, at Richard's mm. desert house, um, sucks his cock. you know, obviously yeah, she, 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 she does that, but her 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 posturing, her having the um, like the pacifier thing in her mouth type thing. Uh, you know, presenting herself as like, and what that, well, that, and and like the big star earrings, you know, yeah, presenting herself, you know, and her being positioned as this, you know, young, uh, hot, uh, this young hot thing, um, and then obviously the the, the two Luke friends Skywalker's arrive. Originally, we have the <laughs> we have we have uh, Stan. And Dimitri show up, um, who obviously cannot take their eyes off of her, and she's obviously right. parading around in her little bikinis and bending over right in their faces to to give Richard kisses. And they they're outside and 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 they're they're drinking and they're partying and they're dancing and she's dancing seductively and uh, you know because of this Dimitri feels that he's he's in, he's entitled to her. Um, right. I'm sorry, right. Uh, Stan. I apologize. Um, Stan. Oh yeah. Stan uh, feels that he's entitled to her and rapes her. And the the rape sequence is something that I did find very interesting because when really? I think back to – well, the, and the reason for that is because when I think back – because these films are often very exploitive. And when mm-hmm. I think back to some of the other films that have tackled this kind of rape revenge, you know, fantasy horror action type film, uh, there's usually much, much time spent focused on – uh, the actual assault. And right. Right here, we did get some images of her getting slammed up against the window, and we did hear it, but then but then, uh, Dimitri turns up the volume, and we're more focused on Dimitri while this is going on. Now, we know it's going on, but it's not like the camera is right in on it, and we're watching this assault take place, which is what is often very common uh, mm-hmm. in these movies. So I thought it was very interesting. And, you know, when I had read that this was such a violent movie, I was kind of right. surprised that uh, the the assault was not something that was like a like a set piece, uh, you know, yeah. or, or a sequence of this movie, which it was, yeah, I, but that the yeah. camera was not lingering on it. Yeah, I was more grossed out by Dimitri eating those fucking weird pretzels with the fucking marshmallow filling. 
shoving him into his fucking fat fucking mouth while he's watching his girl get fucking penetrated. I'm like, ah, can you fucking come away from me? He wasn't getting penetrated yet. He was about to. She was about to. And he said, you can either get in here here and get some of this or you can get the fuck out of here. And he stood there Uh, for a minute and then he left. And then he went to the the penetrated. He had not penetrated. He disgusted me more than the fucking rape. Right. And like he went out there and continued snacking on his food. Uh, he turned yeah. the, the he turned the the volume up, and he went out and jumped in the pool. Um, yeah, yep. It was and then we have right? yeah, and then we have Richard coming back, uh, and and discovering what happened. Right. What's that? And, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, monkey. Well, I was just gonna say, and while we have all of this going on and everything that the doc explained. It's like we have this moment where she gets raped, and I don't want to sit here and say that she deserved it in any way, shape, or form. She didn't at but, all. But, no, but she was extremely naive on what she did the night before that possibly mm-hmm. led up to it. You know, again, yeah. thinking, you know, she could do whatever she wanted, get away with it, you know, be the center of attention <laughs> around a group of strangers where you don't know how they're going to react to what you're doing. Yeah. But, but you know, obviously from the night before, she's used to doing whatever she wants and getting her own way. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously and, yeah. they were listed. Okay, hold on, man. Okay, wow. And, you know, I'm the last person to sit here and talk about women's rights and whatnot. But you can't sit there and say, like, things that she did to, you know, not quite deserve it, but that led up to it. You know, the ghoul girl had said something similar, you know, like, well, Obviously, we're watching this film. We know what is going to happen in the film. At some point or another, this is going to happen. So now it's part of the director's job to kind of to lead us up to it. It's kind of the director's job to do this, in which they're going to, to make you question that. But, you know, she said, she goes, you know, not for nothing, but, you know, the girl's kind of asking for it. But, you know, that's the wrong frame of thinking right there. Is the girl, you know, leading the guy on? Is she playing with him? Yeah, all of those things. Is she mm-hmm. a bitch for doing that? Yes, absolutely mm-hmm. she is. But the fact of the matter is she can fucking lead him on until the cows come home. The second she says no, that's it. Yeah. It's done. It's a yep. no. Oh, End of fucking yeah. story, and, man. And even so to, that, to, to that extent, for it. To, yeah, to that extent also, uh, you have to take into the fact that obviously she's a sexy girl. She knows she's a sexy girl. They all know it. She was parading around all the time in little bikinis. And, like, they were all drinking, partying, dancing, having a great old time. Richard didn't care that he was dance- that she was up dancing. Like, he was enjoying it. Like, that, doesn't, that does not give him any, no. any right to that. Nope. And it, his sense, and that's one of the things that I was reading, that kind of sense of entitlement, that his feeling that, you know, he was able to have her or that he deserved uh, to have her, you know, is one of these things that this writer was possibly explore, exploring with all of the, you know, with all of these stories. And this has been going on for ages in Hollywood, but has become a huge thing in the news over the last year or so with like, yeah. you know, big time producers like <clears throat> thinking they have the rights to all their young starlets and all of this and not that that's yeah. what this that, not that this guy had anything to offer, but like just because they dance and have a good time doesn't mean that that's what she was looking for and that's what he's entitled to have. Well, and what bothered me a lot too was after the rape happens and she's talking to Richard and she just wants to go the fuck home. 
Like, that's all she wants to do. Just, I want to go the fuck home. Richard's saying why I transferred all this money to your account. Canada is like fucking L.A. Sorry, it's not. I love Canada, but it's not fucking L.A. But <laughs> all she wanted to do was go home. Like, she just wanted to go home. Like, and he should have just said, you know what? We'll call the chopper, and I'll take you home, and then we'll be fine. But to the chopper. She could have easily just gone home, but instead, you know, she's like, if you don't want to send me home, I'm going to fucking tell your wife. And that's what led to Richard and Stan and Dimitri chasing her out into the desert and shoving her off of this cliff onto this tree. It easily could have been solved by her just going the fuck home. Like, I don't know why it had to be this way with, with Jen being, you know, having to be chased in the fucking desert by three fucking pathetic guys. Like I just, I, I felt bad well, for it. I, I mean, did. obviously, I mean, you know, the whole Canada thing, I think, had something to do with, you know, trying to kind of appease her dreams or whatever. Uh, I, you, you kind of don't get a read as to what exactly it is that he was trying to maneuver there. Like, if she, like, right. so here's where the problem is, is that we don't know where home is. We don't know if she yeah. lives with her parents. We don't know if she lives alone. We don't know if she's got roommates. We don't know where yeah. the fuck home actually is. You know, for all we know, she lives in, you know, I don't know, the fucking French Alps, and he's looking right. to send her over to Canada. Um, you know, obviously, I think the idea of the Canada thing was to say, hey, I'm getting you closer to the United States. I can get you to, you know, you can get to L.A. from there. I'm going to give you all this money. It's all hush money to give her that ability to, right. to you know, maybe give that time to process a little bit and not you know, say anything about this or report this to the authorities and whatnot. Um, yeah, he, I think he I was think thinking a- that he, can, he was definitely preying on what he thought was her kind of, uh, you know, being, being kind of young and naive and, and knowing her wants. Obviously, she knew very well that he was married but had no problem getting with this hot, super rich dude. Um, and he knows that. And he was maybe, you know, saying... Uh, I can wield my wallet here and just kind of make this whole situation go away. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. yeah, yeah, which led to the fucked up chase, and, you know, they ch- chase her to the, uh, the cliff edge where, you know, she's at the cliff edge, and he sits there and does this thing where he's like, all right, all right, calm down, calm down. I'm going to call the chopper, hold on, you know, and calls the chopper and, you know, tells her, okay, you know, it's going to be here in 30 minutes. Let's head back. And he, you know, starts to turn around like he's getting ready to walk away and then pushes the broad right off the cliff. <laughs> yep. Saw that coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's one of those things that, yes, uh, you know, the way that she was kind of positioned with the three of them kind of forming the kind of dome around her, uh, you know, obviously that was coming unfortunately going way back to whenever it was when I saw this first trailer in that trailer, they showed him push. Uh, mm-hmm. So like, I knew that that was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Ruins it. But so, but no. then we have, then we have this long fall down where she gets impaled on this tree. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, look, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no doctor. I'm no physiologist. <laughs> Um, I'm no human biologist as far as like what the human body uh, is able to handle and, and survive from. Uh, And maybe I'm completely wrong here. And yes, obviously this is a movie and we have to put some things aside, but I feel that that I don't feel that the fall from that high up that 
that amount of tree that was coming through her front was enough fall down that would have held her in place there. Um, and I, yeah, that's what I mean. Like she should have been dead, obviously, (laughs) or ripped in half from the tree. Right. So, exactly. And then I thought that her 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 tactics to get out of the tree, I thought, left a lot to be desired too. Yeah, um, that's what I wanted to ask Ghoul about because she has the scene where she's pinned on the tree, and she's looking for something to get her off of it. And she realizes, oh, my little pink lighter. I'm going to light the tree on fire and get out of this. I was like, all right, so we're going into survivalist territory now. Like, I felt like that was what was missing from this movie. There is no point in this movie where they talk about how she knows how to do all this stuff. She just kind of does it. Me, I'm pinned on that tree. I'm dead. I'm done. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm awake. Well, better grab this lighter and set the tree on fire, and I'll get out of this. Nope, I, I just don't think that way. Yeah, again, this is this is one of those where you know I hate to say it this way because it really it sounds it sounds bad, but this is kind of the first point where the movie loses me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly because you know at this point I was and again I, I I have a history of watching these films. I have all the you know the um the, fuck is it, the, the other. I spit on your grave, you know, last house yeah. on the left. Like I'm a big fan of the original, mm-hmm. like as much as I hate watching the original last house on the mm-hmm. left, left. I, wow. Was I Mike Tyson for a minute? The last house on the left. <laughs> um, last house on the left. It's a great movie. As much as I, like, I, I hate watching that film, but that's because it makes me feel so dirty. You know, it gives me that, like that, that fucking grimy feeling. Um, like the doc said earlier, this film goes away from exploiting the, the rape sequence um, that those films did. And you know what? I think enough of those movies have come out and enough of those movies have given us that, that full on, let's really fucking glorify the rape so that you really see how disgusting these guys are. Uh, we get it. You know what I mean? We, yeah. we get it at this point. We've seen it. We don't need it to be fucking horrible. I don't want to see that kind of stuff portrayed, um, at least not in this Avenue. I don't mind it when it's like you know, little girl lost in Mexico. There's a great porn with Penny Tax, man. If you ever get a chance. Oh, Penny Tax. But anyway, besides that, my favorite. Um. Anyway, though, uh, the fact that she hits this tree. Now, the first words out of the ghoul girl's mouth at this point was, "Oh, this is going to go supernatural." In that she dies and comes back, mm-hmm. and that's how she gets her revenge. And that I okay. wasn't expecting to see in the movie. Right. Until that doesn't happen. And this actually is her living through this process and then proceeding to get a fucking big lighter, which we all know those <laughs> things are hard as fucking hell to light, just in fucking general, let alone when you're fucking hanging, bleeding to death from a goddamn tree stump in which you're going to light a little bit of tinder on the bottom, somehow bending your arm in some ridiculous fashion to get that damn thing to light, heating the tree up enough heating the tree up enough to cause the tree <laughs> yeah. to break without it actually burning the fuck out of your Yeah, own without flesh you burning to death. Yeah. Goes to a ridiculous point here that I, I it made me like cross my arms for a while to like, wow, I did not expect to see this absurdity in the movie. 
And now it took me out of it, this being a real rape revenge type of film to being like, oh, this is kind of like a superhero slash, you know, again, right. survival type film, like action film. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You know, something along those lines. The, uh, yeah. And then once she gets to the cave, you know, while Richard and Stan and Dimitri realize that she's escaped, they're on the you're, track you're of her, but they don't know where she went. She goes into the cave, and this is where the monkey shines because – he was no, like, Rambo no. 3, Rambo 3, no, no, Rambo no, 3. No, 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 you're fast-forwarding way too much, I am man. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> because you got to remember, before she even goes Rambo 3, all right, she's still got this fucking stick that's sticking out of her stomach. You know, she's got fucking nine inches of dick sticking out of her stomach, all right? And she's going to sit there and somehow... <laughs> Go, go to, She's gonna eat uh, No, no, no. Before any of that, all right. I haven't even got there yet. What? Not the peyote yet, talk. but yeah. Go ahead, monkey. I'm not talking about the peyote. I'm talking about washing. I know. Got the big ass dick through her head, and you know, and she's gonna go through ice cold waters and hunt down Dimitri, while still having this giant fucking stick sticking out of her. An expert always stab both his eyes out. The hunting knife. <laughs> I don't know about expertly, but you know, in that in that moment of franticness, yeah, she did happen to hit him like uh, right on the spot. Yeah, managed to yeah. take him out, you know, and and not take anything from him except for the backpack and the four wheeler. Didn't take his shoes. Didn't take the clothes. No, nope, I'm good. Don't need any of that. Yeah. Well, now here's the thing. Like I said, this took me and it made me cross my arms and it made me go into like a realm of like, oh, great. You know, like this is what this movie is going to be. But that didn't last very long. And here's the reason for that. You know, this is one of those films and maybe I credit the, the director for doing this or whatnot. Tell me something. Did any of you guys see John Wick? Yes. yes. At any point during John Wick, when John Wick's dog gets killed, and then he proceeds to start pulling out all kinds of absurd weaponry and killing every single fucking person that comes before him, did you ever sit there at any point and be like, ah, I don't, I have, no, this isn't what I wanted to see? Not at all. It was Baba Yaga. He was a fucking assassin. He knew how to do exactly. that shit. Exactly. Why would we but need he... any more explanation for that just because this girl got raped? But because it doesn't lend before, to her character. Right. All because before, now, before, before any of this happened, but, though, we didn't have any hints about this. With John right. Wick, we but, knew that he had a backstory of some kind. All right? And very, very little. He had a backstory yeah. in commercials, mostly. You don't get much in that film. I just watched it recently. In, as far in as John him, Wick? Yeah, except John when... Wick. Except, yeah, except when... Uh, you know, whatever the fucking kid's father's name is, realizes uh, who it was, and mm-hmm. he fucking is like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and exactly. that's all you need. And then you know, oh, yeah. they, they have awakened the sleeping fucking giant here. Um, You're not yeah. getting it from Jen in this movie. Yeah, but, so, so, we, but, so we get so an explanation. I, I, well, so here's if, the thing that I think If we had somebody in a scene say, wait, you raped Jen? Oh shit! <laughs> right. Is that gonna make this nope. a more believable no, plot I think, point? No, no, I dis—I don't think so. But what I think these guys are saying is that 
I don't know, maybe uh, somewhere in conversation because those guys were there for a hunting trip. Maybe in conversation, Jen says that, you know, when she was a kid, her father would take her hunting or, you know, I think they're saying there may be some kind of background in her character that she knew how to handle a weapon or be in the wilderness or something. But I think what is what I thought uh, was that the placement of her uh, kind of attacking and killing Dimitri and her supplies, I feel that the timing of that was wrong. I feel that it would have made more sense to me if she would have dragged herself into that cave, tripped Mm -hmm. out on the peyote, um, and kind of have all of these hallucinations of everything and emerged from that trip on the other side as a different person. I feel that would have been interesting. But then she also wouldn't have had the knife and the can and the stuff that she used to like get the wood out and, and cauterize herself. But I feel that if she would have tripped out, like tripping out on peyote can change a person. And I feel that yeah. uh, the fighting which, and the attack on, I feel, well, yes, but, but still like if that's what they used it for in the movie, fine. I just feel that if that would have been an interesting direction, but I feel that the placement of her killing Dimitri doesn't jive with that. And I did, think that, especially when they had those continuous psychedelic dream sequences of her, her being killed her and her running through the woods and, yeah. uh, and those kept happening so I feel if that would have been first and she emerged on the other side of that different, that would have been interesting right. and what oh, my only problem yeah. with that if they would have done the trip and what I'm wondering is is if they thought maybe audiences would have felt the same you then spend the rest of the movie questioning whether or not it was actually happening. I think right. you have that mm-hmm. first kill, that first attack done to show you that she can do this, and it's not the drugs giving her the ability to do it. The drugs right. are just masking the pain for her to get through what she's got to get through to close said wounds and whatnot. Well, now you know, she's able to, to do that, tripping on peyote, you know, branding herself with the, the can of beer, which is essentially the phoenix rising out of the ashes. That's how I took it, with the, the eagle on her, her stomach. You know, kind That's of like how the director intended it. Yeah, it's exactly, interesting, it though. We watched Rambo yeah. do this in Rambo 3. Um, yes. I don't know. The, the the first rule I always thought about, like, you know, like a, a penetrative wound of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. Besides, obviously, don't pull it out. Um, but, you know, <laughs> let's say in this case out. here, where said, said wound needs to be, you know, medically emergency fucking handled, and all you have is, is a can and a fire and all this stuff. Um the wounds on both sides because it fully right. penetrated her through the back to the front. She cauterizes the front. <laughs> no. How does well, she? You, you hold on. You think she only cauterizes the front, but the next morning when she walks away, she's got a big ass scar on her back as well. Because I was watching for that. So she actually she doesn't have a black scar on her back. Because I thought the exact same thing during that whole entire trip sequence. That's funny. I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think of that at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they had enough shots just of like, standing well, on the fucking cliffside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the Lara Croft, you know, shot of her coming out of that cave. Like, right. Yeah, but still, now she comes out of she comes out of the cave, right? And 
you know, and these and are the things to what, 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 yes, she comes out of the cave and, uh, you know, in, 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 in her tiny, tiny, tiny little shorts and tank. <laughs> and uh, here's one of the things that, that I, that I, that I nitpick about is the fact that she is also running around in the scorching uh, desert barefoot. Barefoot. Um, yeah, barefoot. <laughs> now, you know, again, these are just John things McClane that were, were, well, of course, but in a, in a, not in a scorching hot <laughs> desert. And also rise. showed, also continued, continued to show the gradual effects of that throughout the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm not trying to make okay. a comparison with Die Hard. But so now let's. I just want to take this. I, no, no. Well, box, I think I'm trying to think of these things in like I'm trying to look at it from the director's perspective, and I'm wondering if these things are more like nods towards these action movies. Maybe. And I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. To, I don't think to so. To think that deeply into it. Well, she kind of yeah. mentioned in an interview that, yep. you know, certain ones of these movies, these types of movies did influence her making this film. But, uh, but sure, still, mo- Tom, moving forward to her, speak? no, moving forward to her walking, because I'm, I'm looking at the clock and we still have a ways to go here. Um, you know, she she then encounters. So we have Richard and Stan are are left, and uh, they make a plan. They're going to split up, and they're going to find her. After they find Dimitri's body, they know she's out there. They're going to find her. They're going to kill her. They're going to split up, and they're going to be back. And the first that obviously she encounters is Stan. And right. uh, again, here's another one of the little nitpicks that I have. So she she sees him in his truck. She stalks him. Uh, she prepares to shoot him. Uh, the type. I didn't like it. He's not going to shoot him with a pump-action shotgun from such a faraway distance. Right. Okay. That's the wrong... Okay. All right. That's not. That's not how a pump-action shotgun works. Okay. Okay. Um, first, first of all, that was a shotgun that was doing slugs, not shot. Okay. So that's the difference. But, but still, still, is that can, are you going to be able to? And again, I'm not. I'm no fucking gun expert, but right. is, is that still a weapon that you would that you can use for like a kind of long range shot? You're not going right. to snipe. You know that's for fucking no. sure. You know, but no. especially you know, I, just felt, I just felt that it was kind of a a long way away for that type of weapon. But again, I'm no I'm no gun expert. Uh, but anyway, she shoots yes, him. That shot she though shoots was him. Like What's that, that? Yeah, that shot was perfect but, though. When she's yeah. standing in the road and you have Stan speeding towards her in the SUV and she pops off the shot and he's fucking dead. I'm like, that's perfect. Come on. Well, but like, still, what? let's 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 get in between the first time she shoots him and that. So, right. uh, you know, he he then uh, shoots her. Yeah. And in the ear. In the ear. And she gets up and runs for it and she she smashes her flashlight on the rock to leave the broken glass. And I feel this is where we take an interesting turn. So he's running and he steps on the glass. And I just, I absolutely loved the amount of time that they spent yeah. focusing on that wound and him digging around digging that, in that foot wound. Oh, it just, man. like, it just kept that scene just like kept going. And yeah. like, it was the most uncomfortable getting... part of the movie. Yes, it was. No, I know. I know. I agree. He, he kept going, and like he kept getting more and more frantic and more and more insane as he was trying to get his fingers in there and pull pull it out. Like I just, I was really surprised at how long of a sequence that was. Yeah. Given the yeah. pace, given the pace of the rest of the movie, I'm like, 
I can't believe like four minutes later we're still sitting here and the camera hasn't left his foot or his face. Yeah. Well, he is the, he is the perpetrator of the crime, right. so we want to see him suffer the most as far as you know the amount oh, yeah. of what he goes through. Um, yes. That being but said, I just also... real quick on the sh- on the shotgun and a shotgun that set a twenty gauge set to fire for slugs can fire up to a hundred yards. So okay, all right then. All right, but but that but okay. So 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 it is possible. I don't want to. I don't want it's to possible. delve into. It's got a, it's got I don't. A okay, so, on it, so, it's so it's possible. I don't want to delve. I don't want to delve into her her backstory or her history with firearms if she was even capable of using the equipment correctly. That we can nitpick that all night, but. So anyway, fucking uh, point I agree to pull you, the trigger, man. I, I agree with you that uh, you know we want to see him suffer. Uh, that he was right. the perpetrator of of the rape that set all of this in motion. Uh, I and I agree with that. And watching him suffer with that foot was great. I feel I wanted. I personally wanted uh, more of a in person uh, confrontation. Yes. And yeah. a, maybe a more in close killing than shooting yes. him through a car, uh, based on yeah. the mm-hmm. fact that he was the one that committed the rape. Obviously, we knew there was going to be more of that with Richard, but I thought that her just shooting him from the vehicle while she was outside of the vehicle was kind of a letdown with uh, the kind of revenge that maybe she deserved for the person who raped her. And then, well, exactly, especially yeah. considering Dimitri got such a brutal, up close and yeah. personal yes. death. So, yeah, right. I can definitely uh, agree that there's a, a small bit of disappointment in there. And not worse, not worse, but, yeah. uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's worse and that it, Dimitri's complicity that he just kind of knew it was happening and just ho hum walked away like it was mm-hmm. ain't no big deal. So. That maybe that's why she stabbed him in the eyes because she, she watched. He watched and didn't help, um, and he got stabbed in the eyes for it. So uh, I still feel that um, I getting into you know I would have liked to see. Him, I would have liked. I would have liked more of a, a violent dispatching of Stan. And that was my own. I didn't read that anywhere. I just came up with that. I just have that. I just have that. I thought now. Uh, but anyway, Stan was in the uh, deep. When he's trying to yeah. press down on the uh, gas pedal, and you see the fucking yeah, and the blood, blood is like foot. spewing like, all over the all over the it floor. Was fucking just so disgusting. I'm like, yeah, you deserve this. Like, you deserve all right, of this. Right. So, so speeding speeding right along, we have Richard. He's calling for Stan on the radio. He's out there in the desert, and finally he says, "Fuck it," and he heads home uh, to his yeah. beautiful <laughs> desert yeah. ma- mansion house. He calls for the helicopter. Thirty minutes, uh, and he gets in the shower. Um, he hears something, um, and, uh, off he goes, uh, you know, with his rifle to, to, yes, to, well, to explore the noise, which he finds that thing in the pool. And then obviously there she is outside rifle, uh, pointed, uh, he is obviously holding his rifle, but not in a position to shoot. Um, and, uh, he starts to speak and she blows a hole, um, (laughs) You know, right, right in him, like a adamant. like a like a gut like a gut opening, uh, huge bloody wound in his side. Um, that would kill him. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, which he then proceeds to be able to you know run all around the house, um, where they where they just <laughs> run in circles for like fifteen minutes. Was, um, was it was like a out of him. Uh huh. Well, I, what was I thought was was so uh, interesting here was that. That house was so 
like beautiful and so clean that like any bit of blood would have stood out and and four GA decided to bring out the fucking gallons. Uh yeah. with the by the time that it was all said and done, like how much blood was all over the floors, all over the walls, all over them. Like yep. they didn't hold anything back with covering them, covering them with, with blood, man. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just pouring out of his midsection until he fucking uh, surrounded himself up. Um, well, yeah. You know, with the blood wrap. Because they, they did have the one scene though, where he's up against the wall and Jen's hunting him down and he's waiting for her to come. And she's kind of creeping along the hallway and all of a sudden, she sees this gigantic fucking pool of blood pouring out into the hallway. I'm like, he's fucking dead. There's no way. No. She's <laughs> yeah. like, he's not surviving this. Like, he's dead from the blood loss alone. But he's right. still and, up. And, and I knew it was going to happen. I was, I was hoping that the, the plastic wouldn't be in the way. But I knew, I just had this feeling that uh, it's, she was going to have to, like, get her hand in there. That she was going to have to oh. Uh, oh my God, manipulate the wound. <laughs> I thought it would have been so much better if there wasn't the, the, all that layers of plastic wrap where she can just like poke around. I was really hoping that she'd have to really dig in there. Um, yeah. But I had no doubt that that was coming. And then obviously she's able to get the shotgun. She fucking blows his ass back across the hallway. Um, you know, and, and, and covered in, in blood, she emerges victorious. She walks to the pool. Uh, she hears the helicopter in the distance and she turns around. And uh, we have a, a rap on revenge. <laughs> but I was so focused on the fucking Chopper's Club. I was like, "Ooh, I'd like that." Like, I was like, "What they're selling?" <laughs> like, What's now, the number? you know, we've talked about now. This this is an interesting thing that I just thought of uh, just now when we talked about you know him walking around his house uh, before she appears with his rifle naked. Um, you know, for for. All of and it, and it, maybe it's interesting because it's a it's a female uh, writer and director, but for all of her sexiness in the first part of the movie, uh, we never see her naked, but we see plenty of his dick in this movie. Yep, mm-hmm. we saw her tits. They showed her. Tits. No, we, saw we, tits. Saw, we saw her tits. No. Yeah, there was some titties at some point. Yeah, are you no. sure about that? Yeah, no. yes. All the first all tries to get with her. She's putting on a no. shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That. You did. You did see that real quick, and we had the um, one shot of you know her pulling her underwear up. So we got to see her. Ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So All right. Then I'm, 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 I'm trying to develop a theory and misremembering on my on my facts here. But um, uh, Mucky, you had said the thing where I talked about the the Shoppers Club, where they said that the code name is Scusa, which to me in Italian means excuse me, but you said it means something else. No, it says excuse me, but then when you spell out the rest of it, the Shoppers Club USA, and spell it out in Italian, it also means excuse me, I'm, uh, excuse me, forgive me. See, I like that. Excuse me. I was, I was thinking of Euro Trip, you know. Excuse me, excuse me, We're going through a tunnel. <laughs> so, a few bad touch. You know, so... Here, I feel that we have, you know, we have this movie Revenge. Uh, you know, it's a plot that we've seen done before in various various degrees of execution and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that there were 
you know, certainly many things to nitpick here and, and many flaws here and there, but I did find it overall to be, uh, I found it to be suspenseful. Um, you know, I found that uh, she did a good job of kind of building tension in, in many of the scenes. Uh, I thought that some of the effects, especially uh, the foot effect and also some of those effects of her head exploding when she was on peyote were pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, so overall, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed this. I don't think it's the best movie that I've ever seen, but it's in, it's in stark, like with it being so stylized, it's in, you know, stark contrast to like the, the, the forefather of this with I spit on your grave, which was so stark in its kind of unstylized oh, yeah, realism, comfortable. brutal movie. And what yeah. I learned, uh, so that was uh, that movie I spit on your grave, uh, written and directed by Mayor Zarchi, uh, yep. in two thousand uh, in in two thousand nineteen, this year, uh, Mayor uh, Mayor Zarchi and original star uh, Camille Keaton are yep. coming out with a direct sequel to the original yeah. I Spit on Your Grave. They are. That's yeah. a fucking comfortable fucking movie. Like, if you want to so see a rape scene go on for 25 fucking minutes, yeah, that's your fucking movie. Like, that's a mm. hard fucking movie. And, and that's so, un- no music, no score. No. So, so uncomfortable. And from my days as a little kid in the video store, one of the most uh, indelible box covers uh, that oh, left yeah. one, a huge indelible impression on me as a kid. Uh, with, with the, the with the box and the girl cover, the shirt and the bikini. yeah, yeah, um, fucking hardcore. The, I still, I still think the worst rape scene I've ever seen in the movie was um, Gaspar Noe's Irreversible, but um, that's that's a tough one. I'll give you that one. You but know, I spit on the grave is pretty fucking <clears throat> insane. But I thought Revenge uh, was, you know, it was a interesting ride uh, with some flaws. You know, I'm glad I I, I took the opportunity to watch it. Yeah, you know, through all its suspension of disbelief, like I had said at the top, I didn't hate this movie. I, I kind of dug it in some parts. It's just Dude, that you, you said that you thought disbelief. the Neon De- Demon was better, man. That says a whole lot. I do. I still think Neon Demon's better because I, I, <laughs> that's my caliber of thinking. But I, it's definitely not a bad movie. Like, it, uh, you know, it's a movie that's worth checking out if you just kind of want to see what they're doing French-wise in horror cinema. I think it's definitely a, a film that people should be checking out. It's just not a movie that I would ever want to revisit. You know, I've seen it. It's good. But not a movie I think that I'll be like, you know what? I'm in for a movie. Let's watch Revenge again. No, I, I saw it. This movie, I had lots of flaws with it. I just didn't have time to get into it. Um, it's like they, they easily could have fixed this movie if they had, after she escaped, she actually escaped. Like, after she got away from the tree, like, I'm just saying this super fast, she actually mm-hmm. escaped, got away, you had a quick training montage, you know, because she knew that this was an annual hunting trip, quick training montage, she's healing up all the, while that's going on, and you just have a quick cut of three years later, and the movie resumes. And that would have fixed everything for me. That would have been nice. You know, if they had done that, then everything else I would have been fine with because we would have had, you know, not all of this whole disbelief of her being able to do this for the huge gaping room. That's it. I'm going to shut uh, up now yeah. because we we got to close up the movie. 
<clears throat> we do. Um, Stefan would have been happy with that. Um, so yes, yeah, we have to close up, you know, close up shop for the night. We have a new episode to talk about next week. So it is my pick for next week. Um, I'm having fun with vampires, guys. As we talk about black, uh, screen black with screen. George A. Romero, known for zombie films, but he did do a couple films in the '70s that were not zombie related. I did find a free torrent of this. I'm going to send you guys from 1976, Martin, which is a take on the vampire culture, done by the perspective of George A. Fucking Romero, and I'm excited to talk about this movie. Romero did a vampire movie. Way back before Dawn of the Dead. Okay. John Amplis playing a vampire, but is he a vampire or is he just a murderer that likes blood? George Romero goes into it. So we're going to talk about that next week. All right, 70s horror. Let's Mm -hmm. do this shit. (laughs) Diva Romero, as I always say. Long live the mask. All right, so as we close out, thank you so much, Doc, for joining us and your pick. And hopefully we'll see you back here next week to talk about Martin. Martin. <laughs> what up? What? what? <laughs> we lose the dog. There we go. All right. Mucky, thank you for joining us tonight on this episode of Revenge. We'll see you back here next week to talk about some vampire Martin. I, I'm your maniacal mad monkey saying thanks for listening to our show tonight. Thanks for listening and let me come in your ear. <laughs> so sexy. Antonio Bandera is sexy. Too sexy, too sexy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. The ghoul, why don't you hit us with a plug as we go out? As always, man, this episode of Talking Terror was brought to you by Bonfire Beat Designs. Uh, Head up over to our Etsy page, all one word, Bonfire Beat Designs, and uh, get your your significant other a piece of jewelry, whether it be a ring, a necklace, a bracelet, some kind of charm. Did you have a situation similar to a revenge? You know what? Richard really could have done himself some good. Had he went to Bonfire Beat Designs, and maybe right. he wouldn't be de- maybe he wouldn't be dead right now. You know, nothing says sorry better <laughs> than a piece of jewelry. Um, though I think you know, kind of like the, uh, the, the the bad curses in Harry Potter. I think this is one of those unforgivable type of deals. Uh, but that being said, uh, you know, other than that, man, just uh, yeah, have a good night, everybody, and thank you. Scared. Bye. Scared as always. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. My pick, like I had said, George A. Romero, he's gone but not forgotten. Can't wait to talk about this movie with you guys. As always, Ghoul, so glad you're still with us. Rocket and rolling into the future. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. See you next time. I'm alive.